Well, if you're blessed in this house, come on and give God a big praise. Amen. It is so good to see all of you. Many of you know Sister Jill. You know her. And if you don't know her, she's one of the... She's got, like, when she walks... Jill, when you walk into a room, you light it up, girl. You've got personality like I wished I had. You are amazing. And uh, it's, it's an honor. It's an honor to have you. And your husband, um, he's not nearly as good as you are, but we're not going to tell him that because he's not here and nobody's going to tell him. He is a precious man and he is a pilot and we are friends and I love to fly with him. And... Jill and Brother Glenn are wonderful people based out of uh, Lake Charles, Brother Ralston's church. And I think she's kind of helping a guide, uh, Brother Hunter Lundy. And Brother, do you ever have a guide right there? She, she, she can walk in doors that nobody else can open. You hear me? She's amazing. Yeah, why don't you uh, turn around and tell somebody something nice? Like, you look like you've lost 10 pounds since I've seen you last. Or, or, or tell them you like their outfit or, um, you know, like, tell them something nice. <laughs> it is really good to have y'all. Yo, I saw this. I got to share some humor with you. So I saw this caption, like this cartoon caption, and it's this old granny, and she's in her night coat, right? And the caption says this. It says that my ideal of a Super Bowl is a toilet that cleans itself. <laughs> Sign me up. I'm going to speak to you. I might cry a little bit today because um, I'm going to just speak to you out of what I just feel very passionate about. And I, I want to talk to you from my heart about where love starts, where love starts. Would you stay with me for about probably 35 to 40 minutes? Would you stay with me? Father, I just thank you for your presence. It's so rich and so real in this house. I I thank you for every guest that is here. I thank you for every person that calls this their home. I thank you, God, for the great privilege. I'm so privileged to be able to serve your people the word of the Lord. I never, ever, ever take it for granted. And I thank you. And I pray, God, for the next 35 or 40 minutes, would you just speak through me today? And God, touch your people in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say amen. amen. You can be seated. You know, in our culture that we live in, um, the culture that we exist in, it, it gives most of its attention to beautiful people. Beautiful people get a lot of attention. Wealthy people get a lot of attention. Famous people get a lot of attention. And if you're a really good athlete, you get a lot of attention. Unfortunately, that's not most of us in this room. Most of us are not famous. Most of us are not wealthy. Most of us are not just greatly athletic. And so most of the tension doesn't go to just ordinary and common people like us. 
But I'm going to ask you a question. Do you ever remember standing maybe in high school or in a room and you're standing next to a really super popular person or super good looking person or really an athletic person and the crowd comes up to them, but you're standing next to them, but they don't pay any attention to you? I just, let's be real today, okay? I want to see some honest folk. Anybody ever know what it feels like to be in a crowd and yet nobody pays attention to you? I mean, I've been there, right? I'm going to just, I'm going to just open up my heart to you. Y'all, I've walked in a local restaurant in this community and because I don't see it exactly like they see it. Or I don't preach it exactly like they preach it. They see me, but they barely speak to me. And I'm going to just tell you that, you know, hopefully I've grown up and matured a little enough that I can handle that. But let me just remind you, for somebody that is a new babe in Christ, that doesn't know what you know, and yet they know they're a Christian, but for some reason they won't speak to them because they don't go to their church and they don't do it exactly like they would want them to do it, then they may not understand like a mature person would understand But I'm just here to tell you that just because somebody doesn't see it the way you see it or maybe believe it as hard as you believe it doesn't mean that we can't be kind to one another. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, there is a fruit of the Spirit called kindness. And we need to be baptized as Christians with the fruit of kindness. I don't mean to scream at you this morning, but I'm going to tell you kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. And you don't have to see eye to eye, believe it just like somebody else, whether that's liberal or conservative, whatever that is, to love people. We are living in a hurting world. We're living in a lonely world. We are living where people just say, you know what? You don't even see me. You just see right through me. And you just talk to the popular or the beautiful or the wealthy. But I'm standing here and I'm somebody and I have value. And I want you to know that no matter where you come from this morning, no matter who you are, from the ghetto or from the mansion on the heal. God loves you. I really do want to put up a big sign. I'm probably not going to do it, but I want to do it. And I want to put up a big sign that says TPC is a no judgment zone. Doesn't mean we don't have morals. Doesn't mean we don't have modesty. Doesn't mean that we want to parade our flesh. We want to parade our fruit and not our flesh. But at the same time, while we're wanting to parade the fruit of God and not our flesh, we can still love people that don't look like us, spit white like us, dress like us. Are you okay? I want to talk this morning about where love starts. Where does love start? My sweet brothers and sisters, we're living in a very lonely world. 
And I need you for the next 30 minutes to tune in, please. As believers, we are commanded to love people. You may not like a certain party, but God likes them. Can I tell you right now, God hasn't made any person that he doesn't love. And I know, I know I'm in southwest Louisiana, and I know I'm not very far from Vider. But I am talking to believers this morning, and I want to remind all of us that God loves different colors, different ethnicities. I'm just, I'm trying to behave myself, but I feel so passionate this morning. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna preach to you what's in my heart. God loves same sex couples. That may not be my choice and it may not be your choice, but He still loves them and He wants to fill them with His Spirit. He wants to change their lifestyle. But I'm gonna tell you, they need to be able to walk into a church and still be loved. Does God agree with it? No. Does his word agree with it? No. But are they a person? Yes. And God loves them. God hates sin, but he loves us who do sin. Come on. You may not have been steeped in something that dark, but God brought you out of something, ladies and gentlemen. And you just be so careful that you don't get so righteous that you forget where God brought you from. I want you to shout this with me. Love God. Love people. Love God. Love people. And you know what? If you can love God and love people, probably pretty much else, everything else will fall into place. Because when you fall in love with God, you're going to fall in love with people. Can I get a witness? I'm going to tell you right now that we have people in our life who desperately, desperately need the love of God. This community needs the love of God. We work with them. We go to school with them. And many times we don't even know them by name. You know why? You know why we don't even know them? Because they're not our kind of people. They're not our kind of people. I'm not mad. I promise you, I'm just very passionate. But I just keep telling us we don't refer to Hope House as those people. It's not those people. They're God's people. They're sons and daughters of God. They may not be where you are. They may not know what you know. But I'm here to tell you and remind you what the scripture says. That those that came in right before he comes are going to get the same reward and the same heaven as those of us that have been in this all our life. That's the way God sees it. That's the way we need to see it. And we need to fall in love with God. And we need to fall in love with people. Can you help me out here this morning? Look at your neighbor and tell him God loves the people you don't like. (laughs) 
For some of you that are married, don't look at your spouse. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you may not love them, but God loves them. Because he died for all of us. Come on, can I get a witness? I'm going to try to behave myself this morning, and I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture found in Matthew. Matthew chapter 20, in verse 30 through 34. It's the, uh, it's the New Living Translation. I just want to take a minute to, to read it. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside when they heard that Jesus was going by. And they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd scolded them and tried to get them to be quiet, but they just kept shouting, Lord, have mercy on us. And when Jesus heard them, I want you to notice this is very important. When Jesus heard them, here's a number of things that he did. This is key to the message. Here it is. He heard them. He stopped. He looked. He heard them. He stopped. He looked, and then he asked, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, we want to see. And then it says, Jesus felt compassion. I'm going to pause right there. I believe in the anointing. I love the anointing. I pray for the anointing. But it doesn't say here that the anointing made a difference. It says compassion. Compassion, having compassion upon people, ladies and gentlemen, makes a difference when you will be willing to hear people, when you are willing to hear people, and then when you are willing to stop, and then when you are willing to show them attention and touch them and ask them the question, what can I do for you? It makes a difference in their life. This, this passage of scripture really teaches us how to love people. It really does. Where, where do we start, pastor? I'll tell you where we start. First of all, love starts with listening. Love starts with listening. Would you say that with me, please? Would you say it again? I can tell you don't like that too much. So would you say that again, please? Wives, would you look at your husband and point your finger? No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm just joking. So here Jesus is walking through this town, right? And this crowd, he's, he's with the crowd because right now he's real popular. Now he's not going to be. But right now he's real popular and he's with this crowd and everybody's around him and he's a center of attention. And these blind men start shouting, Lord, have mercy on us. And then the people tried to shame him and just said, hey, guys, be quiet. You know, hush, calm down. You just, you know, our word would be shut up. And do you know that people are doing exactly today what those blind men did back then? They're shouting. You say, what do you mean? Yeah, they're shouting. They're shouting all over the news. They're shouting all over the internet. They're shouting all over the social media. They're shouting in the streets. You know why? Because they're angry. Because they don't feel like they're being heard. Love starts 
with listening, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why God gave us two ears and only one tongue. And this never has a closed gate, but this does. Some of us need to learn to put our lips in park. Oh, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. I said God gave us two ears and one tongue and this always stays open, but you can put this in part because love starts with listening and people need you to hear them. And notice what the crowd did. The crowd said, hey, you know what? Um, hey, guys, just just pipe down, right? You know why? Because they didn't want to pay attention to it. Only one person, only one person in the audience heard him. Because here, here's Jesus. Jesus, what he did was he heard their pain. He heard their pain. Everybody else just heard noise. Everybody else just heard, you know, shouting and hollering. But Jesus heard their pain. And by the way, the Holy Spirit sent me here. And I say this in all sincerity. I know this is a very general statement, but I want to tell you what I feel. God hears your pain. And there is somebody in this room that you have said in the last week or two, I wonder if God really hears me. I wonder if God really is listening to me because it doesn't feel like he is. And I know this is general, but I'm telling you in the Holy Spirit, the Lord sent me here on assignment to tell you that he hears you in your pain. He hears your request. Oh, come on, somebody. You, you, you say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because in Hebrews 4 and 5, here's the Message Bible. The Message Bible says this, We don't have a priest who is not touched with our feelings. He understands our reality. And he's experienced all of it. He knows what it feels like to be rejected. The scripture says he came unto his own and his own received him not. He knows what it is to walk into a room and it looks like that everybody is talking to everybody around him but just seeing right through him because they don't want to have anything to do with him. He knows how that feels. He knows, ladies and gentlemen, when he is in the garden and he is screaming my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knows. He knows how that feels. I'm going to read you another verse. Here is Psalm chapter 18 and verse 6. This is David speaking. He said, in my distress, I cried out to the Lord and I prayed to my God for help. And guess what? He heard me from his sanctuary and my cry reached his ears. I do not know what your dilemma is today, but here's what I want to tell you. God is listening and Jesus is so spiritually attuned to you that he is hearing your cry. He is listening beyond the noise and he is listening for your pain. And I just want to pause right here and right now. And I want to ask you a simple question. Are you hearing the cries of people around you? Would you ask that question to yourself? Am I hearing the cries of people around me? And you say, well, I don't think there's anybody crying around me, pastor. That's the problem. 
Yes, they are. There's people in pain on your job, in your school, in your college, in this community. It's just you're not listening for the pain. You're just hearing the noise. And this is the starting point. Ladies and gentlemen, love starts with listening. And if we're really going to love people, love our wife and love our husband and love our community, we've got to listen past their words and hear their pain. Look what Jesus did in Matthew 20 and 32. Here's the New Living Translation. It says this, when Jesus heard their cries, talk to me, what did he do? He stopped. A lot of people, a lot of books are written about the steps of Jesus. Where did Jesus travel? And that's interesting. It's a great study. But I'm also interested in the stops of Jesus. What made him stop? I'll tell you what made him stop. He heard the voice of pain. He heard a request. And he listened beyond the noise. And he said, there's some men here that have a need. You know, you know what? Here's what I've learned in ministry. If you want to be used of God, you better get used to interruptions. I don't say this begrudgingly. I absolutely love Jan and I love what we do. Love what we do. But there have been many meals that we stopped and our food got cold. Because we were trying to listen to people. It happened to me yesterday. Was serving a family in a funeral. This sweet elderly lady came up. I'm in the middle of, um, you know, eating, and she just commenced to start talking. And for the next 20 minutes, she went in my ear. So, it's not the first time I ate cold chicken, and it won't be the last. And that's okay. I don't have a problem with it. What are you saying? I'm saying this, that if you want to be used of God, it don't always happen on your schedule. You have to be willing to be interrupted. Jesus was most likely going somewhere because he always lived every day of his life on purpose. But guess what? His purpose is people and his purpose is loving people. And when he heard the voice of pain, he stopped. And I want to encourage all of this wonderful congregation that if you want to love people like God loves, it starts with listening and then it goes to you stop and you identify them because what people want is your attention. Can I get a witness? I said what they want is your attention. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot follow Jesus and live a self-centered life. It doesn't mean that we have to serve people 24-7. No, it simply means sometimes we need to forget ourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Boy, it's getting quiet. Can I keep talking? Okay. Where, where, does, where does love start? Here's where love starts. Look past people's behavior and see their value. Can I say it again? 
Look past people's behavior and see their value. I wish I had two hours to preach. I know you can't handle that, but I could preach two hours. You know why? Because what our culture says is that you are valuable based off of your net worth. Your self-worth is equal to your net worth. And if you're this, then you know, you're up there. But if you don't make this or earn this, then you're not. And I'm here to tell you that is the culture of the world and it is a lie. And you have to replace every lie with the truth. And the truth is, for God so loved the world that he gave. And he doesn't look at you based off of how much you give to the church or a local charity. He looks at you as a person who has a soul and you need a savior. Can I get a witness in this house? See, the people in the crowd that day may not have realized that these two men were blind. We don't know. It doesn't say it. The crowd probably didn't realize that these guys were blind. They're just thinking, man, these guys are just, they're just being rude. They need to pipe down. This is so important. Jesus listened. Then he stopped. Then he looked. He heard their pain. He gave them his attention, and then he saw their need. I'm going to ask you another question. How do we look at people? Do people irritate us? Do we look down our noses where they don't look like us? Or are we moved with compassion toward them? I'm going to bring it home today. Okay. What about when somebody here at TPC takes your parking spot? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in so much trouble today. What, what if it goes to another level and somebody gets your pew? Oh. I may not get much further than this. I may get an... Y'all, y'all know what's... I, I'm going to just talk to you out of my heart. You, you know what's so ironic to me? I'm going to tell you, especially in our denomination, and and I'm not talking about anybody else, I'm talking about our denomination. You know what's so ironic to me? is preachers that harp on standards and holiness and what not to do and what you can't do and where you can't go. Okay, just hold on, listen to me out. Like that's some really big deal. Just listen to me. No, I'm going to tell you what a big deal is. Listening to people when you don't want to. Yeah. Being interrupted when you got somewhere to go. Being kind when somebody has got your parking spot and your pew. And looking past people's behavior when they're shouting at you and you can look past the shout and see the value of the person and show self-control when you want to show something else. And I'll let your imagination take you there. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, do I believe in holiness? Yes, because it's separation from sin. Do I believe in modesty? Yes, I do. Right? But I'm going to tell you something. We harp on that like wearing a long sleeve is a big deal. I'm going to tell you something. You and I are all like icebergs. They say that you only see 10% of the top of it and 90% down beneath. And here's why we harp on stuff. Because we can see it. But God looks at the 90 in our heart. And he says if you really want to be a Christian, love your enemies. Do good to them. 
them that despitefully use you. If they want your shirt, give them your coat. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. I'm going to tell you something. Wearing a long sleeve wasn't hard for me. But getting my heart in tune with how Jesus sees the world, now that takes a lifetime. Because you know what? When you slap me, it's not in my nature to turn the other cheek. When you take my pew, because I've been coming here 40 years, it's not in my nature to say, oh, you're welcome. Oh, dear God, y'all, y'all know I'm telling you the truth. And y'all are trying to act so pious on me this morning. I'm going to call you out. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. It takes all the Holy Ghost I got. When I got a blinker and I have a parking spot and I got the blinker and then some Jake leg comes in there and takes my parking spot. I'm going to tell you, I can wear long sleeves, but I can't hardly be like Christ when some moron takes my parking spot and I get road rage. Now, come on now. Somebody either give me a Baptist nod or a Pentecostal amen, but I need some real folk up in here. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Am I telling the truth, Jim? You know I'm telling the truth. You know why? Because it's easy for the 10% that you can see. It's not easy for the 90 that you can't. Because Jesus, listen, go, go look. Oh, dear God, I'm getting off my notes. Go look and see how much time Jesus spent on this. I'll tell you how much time he spent it. 90% was God was always talking about the heart. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Pray for them that hate you. Be good to your enemies. If they need money, lend it and don't ask for it back. They take your parking spot. Pray for them. And if they take your pew, intercede for them. That's real. That's real. You know where love starts? It starts with listening. And then it goes to stopping. And then it goes to paying attention to people. You know what your kid wants? Daddy, listen to me, please. You got that paper up in front of you and you're watching the TV or whatever. And that kid is going, daddy, daddy, daddy. I'm going to tell y'all, it drives me insane. It drives me insane. When somebody is pulling on their mama's coattail going, mama, mama. And mama's right there. She's just looking at her groceries. Mama, mama. I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm just like, lady. Lady, all the baby wants is your attention. Just look down there and say, yes, baby, what can I do for you? You know what the world is wanting? They're just wanting somebody to listen to them. They're wanting somebody to stop. They're wanting somebody to show them attention. They're wanting somebody to extend some love and say, yes, I see you. You matter. I hear your pain. And you know what? I may not have the answer, but I can help take you to the answer. Are y'all still with me? Can I keep going? I'm going to tell you what's, I'm going to tell you what's difficult, ladies and gentlemen, is loving people who are not like you. Loving the poor. Serving on a Saturday when you'd rather be watching college sports. 
Fixing a meal for a family when you really don't have time to do it. Loving someone with AIDS. Loving somebody that's different than you. Here's what I'm saying. Is that if we want to show mercy and not be a judgmental person, we've got to learn to listen, stop, and look. Because attention is love. I'm going to say that again. Attention is love. You know what? This kind of teaching right here, ladies and gentlemen, you know what? This ain't easy. This is easy. I put this on in 10 seconds. This, this ain't hard. You know what's hard? Is loving like Jesus loved. That's what's hard. It's loving people that don't vote like you. You know why this teaching is not easy? Because I'm going to tell you what human nature is. Human nature is you walk into a room and immediately when you walk into a room, you think, what is everybody thinking about me? You walk into a room and one of the first things you ask is, what, what's this message going to do for me? What's this church going to do for me? What do they have for my kids? What do they have for my youth? I get it. I understand it. I'm not condemning it. But that's the first thing that we ask is what's in it for me? You know why? Because we're we're... We were born selfish. We were born selfish. We don't, we don't walk into a room for the most part. Now, you may be a mature Christian and great. That's awesome. But for the most part, when we walk into a room, we're, we're, we're thinking about, how do I look? I wonder what people are going to say about me. I wonder if they're going to notice this. I know y'all can't act like that's what you do because, you know, you'd rat yourself out. But I know that's what you do because I know human nature. We're always looking at ourselves, thinking about ourselves. And here's when you get God's nature, you don't walk into a room saying, what can I get? You walk into a room and you start looking, who needs me? Who can I help? Who needs my listening ear? Who needs me to stop today and just give them a hug? Do you understand why Janet and I hug every one of you? I'll tell you why we do. Because we've had people tell us, you're the only hug I got today. And do you understand, ladies and gentlemen, that there are some of you that feel closer to your spiritual family than you do your natural family? And this is why we need a church that loves one another. And just because you don't look like us, you're white like us, spit white like us, vote like us, doesn't mean that we can't love you because people are lonely and they're needing love and they're needing somebody to listen to them. Can I keep preaching? See, this is not, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy, ladies and gentlemen, to look past people's behavior and see their value. It's not easy to look at an empty cup that needs to be filled with God's love and say, you know what? I'm going to pour it out. Okay. I've got to, I've got to hurry. Matthew 20 and 32 says this. Jesus stopped. He looked their way. And then he asked, what do you want me to do for you? He just asked a simple question. Now, I got to go to another verse to help answer this. Here's what the Bible says. The counsel in the heart of man. This is in Proverbs 20 and 5. The counsel in the heart of man is like a deep well, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Yo, this has always blown my mind about Janet. Janet comes up to me and says, for instance, Cameron needs you. I said, really? Yep, Cameron needs you. I was just with Cameron yesterday. Well, he needs you. Really? Well, 
when I was with him, seemed fine. And then Janet commences to tell me things about Cameron. I'm like, I never knew that. I didn't know that. I didn't get that yesterday. And this is all hypothetical, by the way. It's not real. Just using Cameron as an example. And I said, really? I didn't know that. And she says, well, did you ask him how he was? No, I just said hi. Because I'm busy. I don't have time for Cameron right now. Well, you know, yeah, here's what Cameron told me. Really? Yeah. I spent an hour with him yesterday, and this is all he told me. Hmm, I'll be done. What'd you ask him? Ask him the right questions. All right. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the most powerful forces in the world is love. Because love is stronger than death. Right next to it is a question. Because when you ask the right questions of yourself, you can start getting the right answers. But you know what? We don't want to take the time because we don't want to listen to you because we're busy. Oh, I know I'm coming right down all of our road. Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. Here's what the scripture says. But a man of understanding, what will he do? He'll draw it out. Here's what that means. The better we get at asking good questions, the more we can love people and pull them out. Jesus asked the question and it was simply this. What do you want me to do? Their, their answer was very simple. Lord, we want to see. We just want to see. And check it out. Matthew 20. Here's what it says. Jesus felt compassion for them. He touched their eyes. And instantly they saw. And this is so cool. And they started to follow Jesus. It's, here's another thing that's funny to me. Especially us Pentecostals. We want to save people. We just don't want to deal with them. Come to our church and get saved. But we don't want to spend 10 or 12 weeks building a relationship to teach a Bible study. Either say, oh, man, oh me or amen or, or something. Is that all right? It's the truth. We don't, we don't want to deal with people. We got baseball games. We got soccer. We got to raise kids. We got to cook meals. We got to do, we got to do, we got to do. And I'm going to tell you right now, busyness, just busyness will keep you and I from ministering to people. And here's what you see time and time and time again. After Jesus met their felt needs, they started following him. Here's what Isaiah says. Isaiah says, here's where you start. You feed the hungry. You clothe the naked. Give to the poor. That's where it starts. Oh, see, it gets real quiet in here because, man, when I start talking about this, woo, y'all go, pastor. When I start talking about this, giving to the poor, you mean I work hard for my money. Give to the poor? I mean, they ought to take care of themselves. There's, there's, there's actually four sets of people in the scripture that God really, really loves. And if you really learn to love them, you're going to get the heart of God. Number one is the poor. Over 250 different times, God talks about the poor and the immigrants. Oh, my goodness, man. I know it's getting tied up in here. 
Who's the other ones? Orphans and widows. Those are the four groups that if you show attention to them, God will pay you back. You said, what, what, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. If you keep reading in Isaiah, I think it is. I think it's Isaiah 58. If you keep reading, God's got a promise. He said, if you'll, if you'll take care of the poor, if you'll take care of the immigrants, if you'll take care of the orphans and the widows, here's what I'll do to you. Then my favor will shine on you like the morning sun and your wounds will be quickly healed. And I will always be with you to save you. And my presence will protect you. And when you pray, I will answer you. You say, okay, pastor, I'm with you. All right, I got five minutes. Who who do I look for? Look for people with needs and just offer your help. Here's the second. Look for lonely people and just become their friend. How do I do that, Pastor? It starts with listening. Listen to them. Give them your attention. Here's the next. Look for grieving people and be there for them. What I'm fixing to say, I don't mean to be rude. But listen, if you've never had a loved one die, please don't walk up to somebody that their loved one has died and said, I know how you feel. No, you don't. I know that you don't know what to say. And so you're just trying to say something. Don't walk up to somebody and say it's going to be okay. It's not. It's not. You say, what do I say? Nothing. If they've had a bad hair day, you can talk 30 minutes about a bad hair day. But if they just lost a loved one, the best thing you can do is show up and hold on now. Show up and shut up. It's called the ministry of your presence. And you don't have to say anything. Where did you get that from? Because when you look at the book of Job, His friends showed up and for seven days, they didn't say anything and everything went really well. For seven days, it went really, really well. You know, when it all started coming unraveled is when they opened up their mouth. Oh, that's Bible. You you say, how can I help the grieving? You don't, there are no magic words. When I was in my twenties, I was looking for magic words to come up and help people. There are none. But I tell you what, when you wash their car farm, it means the world. Or you bring them a box of chicken. Or you, or you wash their car. You clean their house and you just show up. I heard of a man, he was a pastor, and I'm hurrying. He was a pastor. His son committed suicide. He's involved in a small group. And that small group literally moved into his house. And they stayed in his house for weeks on end. Weeks on end. And the pastor said, had not that small group that I've done life with moved in and stayed with me for weeks and weeks and weeks, my wife and I don't know what we would have done. They were not there to tell them it's going to be okay. You know, they were not there to, you know, have these magic words. They were just there and they ministered in their presence. Love starts with listening. Y'all feel what I'm saying to you today? Do y'all feel what I'm saying? Do you feel what I'm saying? Here's the last. Look for defeated people and help them to start over. You know what this church needs to be known for? Hey, we lift people up. Church is known for killing its own. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Yep. We are. 
especially this denomination. And I love my denomination. I just don't like religion. I like relationship because religion, Jesus never did come and say, you know what? I've come that you may have rules and have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life. I'm not against rules. We all need boundaries. What I am against, ladies and gentlemen, you know, well, they need to hear the truth. And I am a truth teller. Good for you. But read your Bible. It doesn't say truth and grace. It says grace and truth. Because they can't get the truth you're trying to shove down them until they see your grace. Oh, that's what it says in your Bible. I believe it's for a reason, grace and truth, not truth and grace. Because here, here's the deal. If you just tell them truth, you can be very rude and ugly with just truth. And if you have just grace, you can be very wimpy. Just, I'm happy. You're happy. We're all happy. Just, everybody's happy. No. Grace and truth. I'm going to love you enough to tell you the truth, but I want grace enough when you mess up, not to say you're done. No, you can start over. The grace of God is sufficient for you. And it's so funny how we talk about second chances. I blew through second chances when I was two. Second chances. What are you talking about? I'm probably working on my 2000th. I come to this altar in repentance and said, God, I'm so sorry. I blew it. I screwed up. I messed up. God, would you forgive me? And he said, I sure will. I go, boy, I, I speak in tongues. I speak in tongues, man. I have revival. And guess what? Thursday. And I hear Paul's words. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? When I want to do good, I don't. And when... And so then I come back to the altar again and say, God, I'm so sorry. Would you please help me again? I wonder if Sister June's come to the altar more than twice. You know she has because there's not anyone in this room that doesn't need the grace of God. We all need the mercies of God. Say this with me. Say mercy is messy. Y'all, I, I'm serious. I could literally preach for two hours. And y'all know it's the truth. But I'm not. Mercy is messy. Listen, here's what I got to tell a doctor. If you don't want to get blood on your hands, you may not want to be a doctor. And if you can't learn to serve Jesus the way He wants you to, and get your heart right, then guess what? You might want to take your sign down. Because if you're going to live like Jesus, we need to love like Jesus. I'm going to say it again. If we're going to live like Jesus, we need to love like Jesus. Nathan, would you help me real quick? Nathan, I want you to come over and I just want you to go face the corner, please. Have you ever, have you ever been in a room full of people, but that's how you felt? All by yourself. You know what aggravates me to no end is when guests come in here. Well, I don't know them. How do you feel when you walk into a place? Just treat people the way you want to be treated so you don't know them. Say, hi, my name is Wayne. It's nice to meet you. I'm glad you're here. That's all you got to do. You want friends? Show yourself friendly. Y'all, if I've come across as rude today, 
If I've come across as arrogant, I promise to God, that is not my intent. But I'm telling you, Brother Hunter Lundy and I just spoke. He said, he said, he said, Wayne, he said, you know what? I've always thought that, that, that revival may come through the church. And he said, I still believe it. He said, but I also believe revival can come through the government. And I, I said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. But revival can come anywhere if we're willing to be used of God. It can come through the government. For the, you know what the scripture says? When the wicked are in control, the nation groans. Ooh. But when the righteous are in control, the nation rejoices. Have you ever felt like that? You're in a crowded room, but that's how you feel. Have you? You know, I I see people come up to the altar and some of you don't even come up here and love on them like they got a disease or something. I don't get it. I don't. I honest to God, don't. I don't get it. This church ought to be known as the most loving church in all of this community. That right there, y'all, and I'm done. That right there is the way the majority of the world feels. I'm too old. I'm too old. I'm too old. Don't have value because I'm too old. I'm Hispanic. I'm Hispanic. I come from somewhere over there. The reality is all of us come from somewhere beside here. The reality is we're all immigrants. Well, I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I can't sing. I can't play. I can't teach a Bible study. And that's how we feel. We're in a room, crowded room, 300 plus people here today. But that's how we feel. And we don't even take the time to get to know one another if they're not just like us. And I'm just appealing to this sweet audience. Let's change that. We can change that. Y'all, hereby shall you know that you are my disciples when you have love one toward another. Is that how you feel right now? You feel lonely? This is why we need a church because the church is the body. You know, I got to thinking, I got to thinking. I I wonder if I asked people that they really had a connection with somebody to get close to them. I wonder how many could do that in this room and then how many would feel ostracized because they don't really feel close to anybody. Or you're the only one in your family that serves God. This is why we need a family. To show the love of God. Love starts with listening. Then love stops. Love looks. Love asks a question. And then love does its best to meet a need. Would you stand with me? Nathan, how you like the corner, bud? Enjoying that?
I was really hoping that somebody was going to come over there and join him, but nobody did. I wonder if that's, I wonder if you feel like Nathan this morning. I'm here to tell you that no matter what you've done, where you've been, who you did it with, or how long you've done it, God loves you. And he wants to give you a fresh start. And he wants to change your life. He wants to transform you. And he wants you to know that he loves you. Yeah, so I guess I'm going to do this. Why don't you get with somebody that you know? Somebody that knows you. And why don't you just put your arm around them or touch them? Say, that's going to be so awkward. You know what? That's so sad. Because a lot of Christians feel lonely. And what I want you to do right now is I want the love of God just to flow out of you. And you say, what do I pray, Pastor? Here's what I want you to pray. Whatever you want, pray it on them. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you bless my brother? Would you give him favor? Would you bless him as he comes in? And would you bless him as he goes out? Father, would you meet the needs of his family? Would you minister to his very heart's cry? Father, I pray, Lord, that you would open doors for this family that only you can open. In the name of Jesus. Lord, do for them what they cannot do for themselves. Heal them, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Bless them financially in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Bless, Lord, Brother Lundy, God. Lord, lead him and guide him. Come on, pray for somebody right now. Come on, we need love to flow out of our hearts. There's lonely people in this room. some love away if you know how to cook you can cook for somebody that's sick if you know how to pray you can pray for somebody that you know is not doing well if your thumbs work you can text the message and said I miss you I didn't see you at church I love you is there anything I can do for you I can't sing can you text and text I can't teach well can you text and text I, 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 I can't do this and I can't do that what you do because you've got something God's given you a gift and he wants you to use it for the body of Christ
going to end different today. We're just going to love on people. Say, ooh, dear God, I don't know about that. All right, well, here's what I mean by that. You know, you can touch their on their shoulder. Hug them like this. Say something nice to them. But I want us to end this service. I want you to touch. Here's what I want you to do. And we'll go. I know I've been a long time. I want you to touch at least five people. You know, here's a thought. Here's a good thought. Why don't you go to somebody you don't really know their name and just say, Hey, I don't know their name. I don't know your name. I want to introduce myself. That would be a good thought. Some of you say, you know what? We need three minutes of meet and greet. That's what you say. Well, here it is. Three minutes of meet and greet. You can have three minutes before 1130. You need to go to somebody that you don't know their name. You don't even know their name. And you need to introduce yourself. Tell them who you are. Come on. Get out of your little comfort zone. Get out of your little pew.